the longer it is going to be until you can get your vaccine, the, the downside is you have to wait. The upside is, yeah, we'll have more data. We're seeing what happens with these variants and South Africa is changing their vaccine guidelines. So I think every day we just say, I'm going to make the very best decision with the data I have right now. And that's what this year is all about is, is learning as we go. Welcome back to Off the Gram, the show where we bring you straight into the trenches with us to help you live your best life, channel your inner girl boss, and navigate the ever-changing landscapes of wellness and social media. Hey, ladies. Hey, all. Well, this is Jamie here. So I'm going to get right into our guest because today is a good one. Please welcome Dr. Daria our first double guest. That's how good she is. I know. So as a refresher, she is a Yale-trained emergency room physician and mom of two from Atlanta, Georgia, who's earned an MBA from Harvard. No big deal. (laughs) Makes us all feel dumb before joining the faculty of Harvard Medical School to teach medicine. She's also the best-selling author of Mom Hacks and her TED Talk, How to Triage Your Life Like an ER Doctor, had over 1 million views in a month. She contributes regularly as an on-air expert to CNN, Headline News, NBC, Dr. Oz, and Thrive Global, to name a few. We are beyond excited to have the top doc back today to talk, so you have COVID, now what? But first, last week, Heidi and I told you guys all about eVibe Nutrition, our favorite new smoothie makers. Well, this week, we have a special treat. We actually have the eVibe founders, Claudia and her fiance, Dominic, to chat. And I want to start here. So we debate a lot on this show over the notion of being plant-based. Heidi's a strict vegan. I consider myself plant forward. Like I, I definitely eat plant-based, but I'm not quite as strict as Heidi. Christine eats chicken and fish. Megan's a straight up meat lover, steak, bacon, yup and yup. <laughs> <laughs> but Heidi and I don't push our views on anyone, but we both adore eating plant-based and beyond our own personal views. I think it's safe to say that the plant-based craze has taken on a life of its own over the past few years. We want to discuss plant-based life, guys. I want to hear the benefits of going plant-based for you guys and how it kind of gave birth to this amazing company called eVibe that we are all completely obsessed with. So hi, welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having us. <laughs> We're so happy to have you. And I love that you guys are like a couple. I mean, we, you know, I work with my husband too. I think it's so fun, but that's what I wanted to start with. So I love the story about how you went vegan first and then Dominic followed. Is that, is that how it happened? Cause it was the opposite in my house. My hubby actually went plant-based and then I saw how great he felt and I followed. So tell us about that journey. No, exactly. We uh, actually, I was at the university like six or seven years ago, and I decided to change my diet through a healthier diet, which was plant-based for me. And uh, Dominic followed me because he saw the, the great benefits on my energy, on my just the, the you know, the, this lifestyle of plant-based. And yeah, so I've been plant-based since uh, seven years. Yeah, but, but what got me switching really seven years ago is, is I was more of the cook in the, in the couple. And I, I like to cook. Like I would cook like shrimps and, you know, chicken and all that stuff. And like overnight, it was just like, I'm not eating that. I'm, I'm, I'm doing my own thing on the side, like avocado toast for dinner and stuff. And so I started to switch all my cooking towards a, a plant-based cooking. Like I would do vegan shrimps and all that. And, and so I relearned to cook uh, plant-based. So we would, wouldn't do two, two dinners. And, and so that's how I sort of switched toward plant-based. Now I'm more of a, a little bit like you, like more flexitarian. I eat a little bit of everything, but mostly plant-based. And Chloe is more like 
fully uh, fully plant based. So we have our own own little diet. I love it. So like, is that kind of what led to the invention of Evive smoothies or like how did, what hole in the marketplace were you trying to fill? Did it all come from your love of plant-based living? Yeah, exactly. Uh, when I, when I start being plant-based, I literally, I was doing a smoothie every single morning and it was a mess. And it was not just a banana strawberry smoothie. It was with fruits, veggies, superfood, plant-based protein. So every morning I, I was doing this smoothie and everyone around me, my friends, family was really wondering what, what I was drinking because at the time, no, nobody was really drinking smoothie. And, and it's just so nice to drink in the morning. It's re- refreshing and, you know, it's just good. You can, you can put whatever you want. You, you eat your greens and you don't actually really notice that you, you eat your, your spinach and kale. So I, I was a smoothie lover. Definitely. And the whole, the whole concept back then was to, you know, Chloe was taking those 20 minutes every morning to have this very dense nutrition to fulfill her, her nutritional needs. And the idea was how can we bring that more accessible to everybody? Like the people around us, friends, family, um, and so that's how the idea of pre-making them in little cubes, uh, so, so you can just let it melt in the morning while you go to work, but have the same quality of a smoothie as if you would take the 20 minutes to, to make it. Uh, so that was the, like the, the, the starter of it. I got to tell you, like when, so uh, just to back up, let's just tell everybody exactly what it is. So it's these adorable little rainbow rings that are the the smoothie cubes, for lack of a better term. They're like ice Each ring is one color. Each each ring is one color. Right, right. You get like the the whole rainbow, but each one is one. They have all these amazing ingredients, a lot of like vegetables and supplements and fruits and different things that I had never even heard of. Like superfoods. Superfoods, like really rare and amazing superfoods. And then instead of having to use a blender, why don't you tell us the process? Yeah, so it comes like a cube. So it's a wheel of smoothies. There's eight cubes. So you just have to pop the cubes in a mason jar. Add your favorite liquid. I really like plant-based milk, of course. So oat milk is my favorite. Um, You let it melt uh, like 20 minutes. So in the morning, I just go in the shower and my, my smoothie is melting and then I shake it up. So it's Super easy on the go, but you can also do it in your blender if you want just to, you know, to mix it. And, and yeah, so it's always made with whole fruits and veggies, superfood always. So all kind of superfood is super important for me that I was really re- replicate the smoothie that I was making at home in my kitchen. So ba- baobab, moringa, chia seeds, spirulina, spirulina, all that stuff. Blue spirulina. It's so hard to make a blue smoothie. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, my husband, who sees me every morning before I tried your smoothies, he would see the same thing, all the things, all the things in the in the smoothie blender. And the other day when I was doing yours, he said, well, what about all the other ingredients that you always put in there, like the greens and all this and that? And I'm like, no, they are all in this little package. So he's his mind was blown. He's like, are you sure? I was like, yes. He's like, but they taste so good. He was trying to figure out why they tasted so good. Like he was pleasantly surprised to sip on it and, and they were delicious. So. 
They also trick kids because I have a 10 year old who thinks she's like an expert smoothie maker and like makes a giant mess and does, but she thinks these are dessert. And like, I just hear everyone coming in from school now and she pops them in a bowl and like, we'll add a little bit of granola or a little bit of, and she makes smoothie bowls out of them. Like doesn't even really let them melt. She thinks that they're ice cream. (laughs) I want to speak to the deliciousness and the mouthfeel of these smoothies because I was so impressed. I have to say, I've been doing smoothie time with my kids. My twins are five and a half and I've been doing smoothie times with them since they, before they were one, it was like a nighttime ritual. So I thought it was like a cute thing to story on Instagram. I never thought it was going to turn into like a thing. And all these companies kept trying to send me all of their like pre-made smoothies. And number one, they all had so much added sugar in them mm-hmm. and yours do not. And I just want to thank you so much as somebody who's very conscious of added sugar for making these unbelievably delicious smoothies with no added sugar. It's awesome. And also the mouthfeel, because every other like pre-made, I'm doing like air quotes smoothie that I've ever been sent. It's like watery. And like this feels like a thick smoothie ice cream like it ice really cream. is unbelievable <laughs> quite frozen. yeah they're yeah. I mean it's but the fact that they don't just like melt to liquid is very impressive and it speaks to like there's whole foods in them whole vegetables whole you know fruits so it's so cool it, I'm telling you if if you could visit the plant like where we make them it's literally as if you would make them in the kitchen but with a giant giant blender like and that's, it took us quite a while to figure it out because we didn't want to use juice or purees or, or like highly processed thing to just make something that was, you know, tasting good. We, we literally replicate Claudia's recipe, but in a giant blender. Uh, so it's quite, quite cool to see. So what is your favorite recipe <laughs> or flavor? Which is your favorite? I like this question because my favorite is the pure. It's the green smoothie because I'm such a green smoothie lover. And for me, it would be only like green smoothie in the <laughs> in the company. The yogi is green too, right? The yogi? Yeah, it's green. Yeah. That was the first that I that I've developed and I really liked it too. And the sapphire is delicious. It had like a little banana kick to it. It was that was the sweet one, my husband. Not sweet, but the one that he really he's like, Why does this taste so good? And I'm like, if Heidi eats it, it's safe. And it's it's, I'm telling you, Heidi <laughs> eats them. It's good. <laughs> the sapphire, like kids really love it because because of the color, but it's yeah. all natural. And people don't don't believe us at first. They're like, you add something. And yeah, of course we add spirulina, which is 100% natural. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so good for you. I'm getting it's hungry. so nutritious. <laughs> I just got hungry. I, I know. Like, me too. What's your favorite flavor, Megan? My kids have stolen them all so far. Like, I don't even know if there's any left down there right now. Because Charlie, like, she can DIY. So it's like... Yeah, that's the other thing. You can like, yes. you can you can pop some of them. You can like mix or you can just do half. I like that too. It's really easy to kind of like create a snack versus a whole meal. Right, especially mm. when the kids have color preferences. Yes. And when I need like a little chocolate kick, I'll do like a half of the Aztec. Is it the Aztec? That's the chocolate mm. one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll do like half. And that like totally soothes my um my chocolate sweet tooth. Mm. I had two in a row the other day. I was like, oh, I want more. <laughs> My sweet tooth is so tamed by that tuk-tuk. Oh, oh, it's so good. I'm like, is it your favorite? Yes. The tuk- yeah. I mean, I don't know. Oh. I have a lot of favorites. I, I love them all. But uh, that, that one is just like, 
I don't know. There's something about it that is not something I make for myself. It's like very, I think that's another really special thing about E5. It's like you wouldn't, unless you were committed like Christine to putting in all the powders and all of the real food and, you know, you're not going to get that much nutrition. And I think that's one of the things I love so much about these E5 smoothies is they have it all in there. Totally. Well, I know that you guys have more stuff coming out. So I want to, I want to wrap this up by asking what's next for eVibe? What else are you guys in the, have in the works? Yeah. So now that we, we've launched uh, smoothies for a couple of years, we developed lunch. Um, so it's the same concept, a wheel and it's, uh, it's meal. So you just have to pop the cubes. Uh, uh, either you pop and you add uh, hot water. So you have a soup. Either you pop the cubes and you add a, like a size, like a cauliflower, a cali, cauliflower, cauliflower rice. rice or quinoa or whatever the side that you like. And you have a bowl. So it's different flavor, like um, Thai flavor, Mexican mm. flavor, my, mac and cheese, but vegan. <laughs> so meal makers and little cubes makes a soup or makes a bowls. And, you know, it's frozen, highly nutritious, exactly like the smoothies, but for like lunch and dinners. Oh, I can't wait. (gasps) Are those available? Can't wait. Now our mouths are all watering. All right. Well, you know what we want from you guys next. So uh, you have our addresses. We'll just be waiting for that. Thank you very much. (laughs) No, but seriously, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for being a part of the Off the Gram Magic. We absolutely love you and your company. And we were delighted to chat with you. Thank you so so much. Okay, so getting back to our main topic for this week's show, I think it's safe to say that having Dr. Daria back today was mainly the idea of one of our OTG hosts. Uh, yeah, this might have been my idea for a show, just maybe. Yeah, so let's just let's just get real here. Like Megan obviously has been suffering with COVID. If you do follow her on social media, you should. Megan B. Murphy, she's amazing. And she has been a trooper to say the least. I mean, she happens to be releasing what is soon to be a New York Times bestselling book. Let's put that out there in the universe. Love you guys. And your fully charged life. Yeah, your fully charged life available on Penguin uh, at the end of this month. So anyway, she or what? I don't know when this is releasing. It's February twenty third. You know what? It's probably already available by the time this is going up. So strike that. Anyway, point is, is that Megan has COVID and, you know, we're, we're all living in a, in a place where like, it seems like even though the vaccine is here, more and more people in my life every day, it's like everyone's testing positive for COVID. It is just, we're not out of the woods yet. So we're going to get into the topic in one minute, but you know, we always do a little weekly catch up topic, something that's on our brains. And so today we wanted to talk quickly about the vaccine, like a quick round table. Who's, who has reservations? Who's like gung ho? Who would be first in line if they could? What does everyone think? So this is Heidi. I would be first in line if I could, for sure, because I want to keep as many people safe as possible. I don't want to be the spreader. I don't want to be that person ever. Like, I fully want to just keep our world safe and do my part. And as a not doctor, like that's, I feel like that's all I can do other than socially distancing and wearing masks. However, I am concerned. I still am going to be the first person in line, but I still feel like I need a team of doctors around me because I go into anaphylaxis as a drop of a hat and there've been allergic reactions. So I will be coming to get my vaccine with my EpiPens. <laughs> um, so that's, I mean, that's my concern, but, but I'm still going to be first in line. I'm just going to be scared while I get it. <laughs> Christine, you look like you share the same sentiment. I want to be vaccinated. Yes, yes. I want to be safe, but 
Dr. Daria maybe can help me walk me through this. I I watch the news, I watch the doctors, the scientists, and I am just so concerned that every single day there's new pieces of scientific evidence that says, you know, this one works better, this one kind of works that way, this one you need a booster shot. Now the new variants are saying, you know, we have to start from square one. What I just want to get something that's going to make the most sense, be most effective. And there's so many people that are like trying to cut the line and rush what's the rush? Like, let's get this right. I understand there's a rush to, you know, to get everyone vaccinated, but are we rushing too, too quickly to this? And is there anything that is happening too fast? And, and, you know, I'm going to need eight boosters to make the first one work and we're going to start over. So should I just wait for that one? (laughs) Big questions, big questions. I'm Megan here and I want the vaccine. I, one of my questions is if you've had COVID, how long do you wait before you're eligible for the vaccine? I asked that for my 70 year old mom who was also just sick. I think we can probably get into the logistics of what the vaccine means and how it works um, as we get into the show, but I'm all for vaccine. And Dr. Daria, you're vaccinated, right? Or not? So I, I have, I'm half vaccinated. My, uh, my husband's gotten double, both of his doses. I have gotten one of my doses waiting for my second dose. Um, so I 28 days later, right? Yes, actually. And I developed an, a, a crazy um, emergency heart condition. So while I am undergoing that, I have to wait for my second, not related to the vaccine. No, I was having it before the vaccine, actually. Um, but so for me, as a result, they're making me wait until I get my workup done. So I'm kind of in the middle world right now. So still having to wear a mask and I look forward. I'm scheduled to get my second dose uh, in a week and a half. So I, so will you not wear a mask when you're vaccinated? No, you will. No, okay. yes, I, yeah. I wasn't. I mean, I'm just being extra yeah. careful because I'm, I know I am not fully immunized right now. And I hear all of your concerns. I mean, I think I remember that day I went and got my first dose of the vaccine and I was one of the very first uh, providers to get it since I'm an ER doctor. We were offered it very early. Um, and I remember having two feelings at the same time. First, this feeling of like, yes. We, hello, end of tunnel, hello, light, I see you. And it was, I've never felt that getting a vaccine before, but like there was this moment of like, oh, like it's going to change. And yes, at the same time though, yes, I still felt like this is early, you know, where the data is not complete, but I am making the best decision with the data that I have available to me. And I think that's what we do as ER doctors. That's what we do as moms. You still got to make a decision. Christine, to your point, the longer it is going to be until you can get your vaccine, the, the downside is you have to wait. The upside is, yeah, we'll have more data. We're seeing what happens with these variants and South Africa is changing their vaccine guidelines. So I think every day we just say, I'm going to make the very best decision with the data I have right now. And that's what this year is all about is, is learning as we go. That's true. Yeah. I mean, look, this is Jamie. I didn't weigh in, but my bottom line is I'll get the vaccine as soon as I'm eligible. Of course, I will wait until it is my turn, undoubtedly. Um, I will say this. My husband's mother has now been vaccinated. She's in her 80s. My dad, who's doesn't have not in the best health, uh, has been vaccinated. He's in his 80s. And, um, you know, his his mother, Heidi, just to give you a little information, also has the same issues. She went with her EpiPen. She goes into anaphylaxis, like all that. She's fine. If anything, she just felt a little tired. So that was her experience. So feeling pretty heartened. You know, if these if these elders in my life that I that I see that are in their 80s can like can hack it, you know, when it's my turn, I'm 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 ready. I'm there. 
James, you just gave me my first deep breath in so long. I didn't realize how much I was holding my breath until you just said that. So thank you so much. I just took such a deep breath. They're real fears. Look, they're real fears and they're fair. And I think there's so much rah-rah on both sides because we're supposed to just be like, yeah, like I'm, I'm on this side or I'm that side. There's no sides. We're all just trying to do the best we can for ourselves day after day, right? So Megan, with that, why don't you take it away? Okay, Megan here, as we have discussed, uh, and you may have seen on Instagram, T. Murphy is recovering from COVID. Me, my three kids, 8, 10, and 7, my husband and 70-year-old mom, um, all infected with the virus, and it was hard. And the toughest part is that while there's plenty of clear information that's preventative, wear the mask, wash your hands, stay six feet apart, I found that the second we tested positive, we felt clueless, helpless, terrified, and alone, all while wearing this big scarlet letter C. My primary care physician didn't return my call. In fact, I never heard from her except for an email from an assistant three days later. I was nervous about my asthma and my history of pneumonia. And that's when I DM'd Dr. Daria, who had been on our show, and she called me instantly. She virtually held my hand and my family and gave my family a clear roadmap to recovery. And I've shared my journey very candidly on Instagram. And today I want to share Dr. Daria's smart actionable advice for coping with COVID. You got me all choked up, Megan. I love you, Dr. Daria. I would not have gotten through this without her. I mean, like legit, Mm -hmm. we were, I mean, my first call to you, I have asthma, I have pneumonia, I do, like, I'm going to die, I'm going to be in the hospital, my mom has it, my kids have it, I can't care for them. I mean, it was, it was the it was, I mean, I don't want to say it's, I mean, I do hard things. I'm a person who does hard things. Thankfully, I'm highly resilient, but This sucked. And the lack of information out there and the shame that is attached to being diagnosed with this pisses me off and fueled me with purpose. And my purpose was to destigmatize COVID and to get people your advice as widely and loudly as possible. Yeah, I mean, it's so annoying that there's a stigma. Like, there's no stigma attached to the flu. Like, this is... People, (laughs) Heidi, people are lying about having it. I know families who have gone through it undercover in my town because there's this stigma attached to... I mean, and frankly, I'm making Valentines with my kids and they're like, well, who's going to want a Valentine from us? Now we're the COVID kids. Heartbroken. And it's like, hey, listen, like, do I need to walk around with a recording from Dr. Daria and a T-shirt says that says not contagious? In fact, we have 90 days of antibodies. Suck it. You know, like that's what you kind of want to do. Is that the thing? 90 days of antibodies? Is that it? So, yeah. And, and Megan, we'll record that later, okay? I know. We'll, we'll give I, you a sign. Right. Just, <laughs> just listen to Dr. Daria, fool. You can carry it around like a boom box. You know, whatever you need. I'll, rec- I'll record that for you. Um, Heidi, to your question, the thought is that if you've had COVID and that you get exposed in the next 90 days, you don't have to quarantine because the thought is that you do have immunity. It might last longer than that. It probably does, but that's what the CDC has said. Which is why I booked a trip for April, friends. I'm going to go to the beach somewhere fear-free. Megan, Megan, I remember, like I still to this day remember standing and talking to you, and I remember how scared you sounded. Oh, my God. Terrifying. Um, and then I also remember how, how reassured you sounded, and, and I, I remember just that was so gratifying and I, I just felt better for you because here's the thing the whole purpose of my my life and my existence and even the fully charged life is the second you have a positive action you're able to take you are able to move through and onward but when you have you're stuck when you don't know what to do and I had no idea what to do the first thing you gave me which was game-changing was 
the vitamin regimen. And can you walk mm-hmm. us through that? Because it is so hugely helpful. Everyone has screenshot that and I've, I've emailed it and texted it to probably 5,000 people because it's not widely available. No, and I made this, oh, go ahead. Anybody. So you don't have to have COVID because I saw Megan's no, story. No, this is a COVID toolkit. I mean, some of these vitamins I think would be helpful outside of COVID, but you, I say to everyone, have what Dr. Jerry is about to tell you on hand so that if you're in this situation, you've got your emergency kit. Yeah, because okay, I saw your story and I ran out and I was like, John, we're taking zinc, we're taking vitamin C. <laughs> I started doing all the things that I saw in her story just to do it. <laughs> well, and Christine, you're right. And we talk kind of separately. I talk a lot about how to fortify your body and your health in the easiest way so that if you get COVID or, or anything else, you can fight it off, which I think why Megan it was able to do this well, because she's healthy and does all those smart things. But this is the, what, what Megan's talking about is kind of a, a 14 day regimen that I had created for my own patients because I realized what we were doing in the emergency department is we would diagnose someone with COVID. They were well enough to go home and we'd say, bye. And they'd be like, but what what do I do? And they felt like people were just saying, go home and hopefully you don't get severe. And if you get severe, come back to the hospital. And kind of feels like when you have a newborn, you're like, wait, (laughs) what? Especially after the NICU when they're connected to like 50 different cords and all of a sudden they like sniff them all off and they're like, bye. And you're like, what? (laughs) Exactly. Um, Yeah. So with all the messy feelings and everything. And so that's when I started to realize there are things you can do. People and people felt so helpless. And they just felt like they were just waiting for the inevitable. So I kind of put, well, looked at all the data, talked to some of my other um, doctor friends and, and kind of put together kind of a protocol of things you can do that we know will help and some that you know, will just help protect you. So what can you walk us through that? So it's the vitamin C. Mm-hmm. So I have people take vitamin C 500 milligrams twice a day. Uh, I, that has some, a lot of antioxidant properties and it just it's great for and I have them take vitamin D vitamin D. The best is if you can get your levels checked and then have your doctor tell you how much you need to take. But otherwise, I say, you know, 2000 international units a day that we able to like just get that started in your system while you're while you're waiting. I also take zinc 75 milligrams once a day. Take it with food. Zinc will totally upset it your will. stomach. So FYI. take it with food or you'll be literally people will throw can throw up if they take it on a stomach. Um, and then, you know, there's some data to suggest Pepsid taking that daily. And then again, in people, definitely people with more severe illness or if they have any autoimmune problems, as long as their doctor hasn't told them that they as long as they cannot take aspirin. Otherwise, I have them take a baby aspirin once a day. I did that That's for 14 for days and I, I like I swore by it. And and frankly, like mentally and physically, physically, it was at least something to do. It was an action step and it made me feel proactive with my health. So so that was super helpful. The other thing right away was an oximeter. And I think that everybody probably should have that on hand if they don't already, because then you're going to be waiting on Amazon for three days before you get it. And can you tell us what that is and why that's so important? Yeah. So your oximeter is going to measure your heart rate and your oxygen level. So one of the things we look at with COVID is people can drop oxygen levels. And when your oxygen levels drop, say below 92% or lower, that's a sign that your COVID is becoming more severe. So that's why you want to know that. And also, interestingly, heart rate can be one of the early signs, especially in somebody who's otherwise kind of a healthy person. An elevated heart rate that jumps by 25% or more can be an early sign that you're getting a more systemic infection. What about... And I've heard a lot about NAD for COVID. Is that? Yeah, there's there's so many other things. Yeah, there's NAD. People and for like, our I, listeners, though, NAD stands for? 
N-acetyldehydrogenase. Uh, don't even worry about it. It's an antioxidant, essentially. It's a potent antioxidant. It's something that, you know, that's the difference between inpatient and research and being studied versus outpatient protocol. This stuff I have people take are things that, you know, are easy to get. I think evidence suggests that they are going to help you and they're not going to have some concerning side effect. That's why I have them take this. I usually don't advise my patients to take NAD, especially when I'm not, it's not something that I'm able to monitor and see. I will say there's a lot of pain and muscle ache associated with COVID that is surprising. Although the symptoms were all over the place and different for every one of my family members, but there were things like I used paint salon pause pain patches because my shoulders and my upper back were just throbbing. And I found relief in that. I, I wound up putting um, Arnica on my kids' legs um, and bodies when they were, they were achy. There are some real aches associated with COVID. Megan, did you see the, what the trend is, is that the kids had it a lot less severe and it was the adults that took the brunt of it? I, I think it's hard to even, and, and Dr. Daria walked me through this, through the process too, because everybody was so all over the place. Charlie threw up and then had diarrhea, then spiked a fever, then was fine. James threw up, had diarrhea, was fine, then had muscle aches. Brooks had diarrhea and threw up for six days, was fine, and then had 103 fever. My husband had no GI symptoms, fever and muscle aches, more flu-like, exhausted. And he had loss of taste and smell. Charlie had loss of taste and smell. His has not. Um, Charlie's has. I had five days of such severe diarrhea that I lost 10 pounds and it was hard to stay hydrated. Um, I never had any fevers. My chest is still very tight, whereas I feel like I could never go for a run today and be okay. I'm out of, like, I still have that out of breath feeling. Dr. Dario, with regards to getting back to exercise eventually when one is better, and I say this obviously, because I know people are going to be like, why is she talking about exercise? I'm not talking about her weight loss. I'm talking about because someone like Megan grounds a lot of her energy and her well-being and having a daily movement practice. So is there any kind of like protocol or advisement on how long you should wait or should you just listen to your body? So there actually is. Um, what they're advising is after you have COVID to wait two weeks before before you can start resuming your exercise. And that's especially if we're talking about like a high school athlete or something, even having them see um, their or somebody who's a real athlete, see your primary care doctor as well, because there are cases of COVID where it creates inflammation of the heart. And you don't want to exercise while that's ongoing. So if you're before you get back to really intense exercise, it's not a bad idea to check in with your doctor, but at least wait two weeks. What I had Megan do, I told her, I said, you can listen to your body, go take walks. I don't want people to stop doing that. And that was another part of the protocol. And I don't know, Megan, if we can talk about them, yes, the breathing I, part of it yeah. too. Oh, the breathing exercises were so, so important. And I still yes. do them. I find myself doing them. Good. And you good. show I was going to ask like, you. Yes. Breathe in. And then you blow out the birthday candles. I've been blowing out birthday candles in my mind for two weeks. (laughs) Excellent. I love it. Your book birthday. Yes, exactly. A lot of people, because you feel really uncomfortable during this and you just kind of lay and you just, you know, you just kind of want to curl up in a ball. That's actually really not good for your lungs. You want to be hyperinflated, you know, inflating your lungs. So I kind of make people do that. So every, I say every one to two hours during waking hours, get up and walk around. And this is what you can do, but, but go for a walk if you can. Oh, a gentle walk is a great way to get exercise. Get outdoors if you can. For get me, I exercise. took up lacrosse. I took my <laughs> husband's lacrosse deck and I just started throwing balls at the 
that the rebounder. And then I gave myself a goal. I wanted to get my left hand as strong as my right hand because it wasn't like taxing, but it was therapeutic in so many ways to get fresh air, to have that movement. And I was like, doctor's orders, Dr. Daria said, I have to be outside. I have to be up. <laughs> to be clear, Megan, I like you like tried to give me questions that a patient hadn't given me before. I'm like, go for a walk. Do some judge. She's like, can I play lacrosse in my backyard? I was like, okay, that's a new one, but sure. Sounds fine, Megan. Um, and then the other breathing exercises are kind of pursed lip breathing where you inhale deeply and like what Megan was just talking about. And then you, you're going to blow out through kind of pursed lips, like you're blowing out a candle. So you're like, like I found that against force. That was easy to do and easy to give the kids as an exercise because they understood that the diaphragmatic breathing, I think, is a lot harder for most people to catch on to if you're not used to being aware of your breath. But if I said to my kids, you're blowing out birthday candles, Mm -hmm. because I did find my one son, James, had more of that chesty kind of hard to catch his Mm -hmm. breath thing versus some of my other kids. My husband didn't have that at all. I had that intensely and still have that. But Saying to someone, inhale deeply, blow out the birthday candles seemed a little bit easier than like activating your diaphragm, which somebody like Heidi is a pro at, but like the average person, (laughs) it's not that easy. Lie on the ground with a book on your belly and make the book. Oh, I like that. I like (laughs) that. So of course, see, look at, look at all these smart women. This is what I love. (laughs) Um, The one thing I can't stop talking about this. Sorry, because I just lived it. I'm so sorry to dominate here, but I am like, feel like COVID queen right now. The other thing we want to hear you, well, Daria, Dr. Daria gave me really good sleep advice and it was not, I'm a back sleeper and it didn't occur to me how, how bad that would be. And so I forced myself to sleep on my belly or on my side. Dr. Daria, can you talk about the importance of sleep position? Yes. And again, this is talking about airflow and blood flow to your lungs. So one of the things we found, we found this in patients in the ICU, even anywhere, but flat on your back is going to be better than laying flat on your back. So lay on your side, sleep on your stomach. If you, if you find that comfortable, um, or it, at a minimum kind of sleep in a recliner at an angle, another good thing to do just to make sure you're in getting blood flow and oxygen to the right parts of your lung. Can I ask a quick question? Can I just circle back to the baby aspirin for a second? Because I do remember in the very beginning, um, there was a lot of rumors going around that if you took Advil and you and you had COVID that you were like in big trouble. And so we didn't take any. Yeah. So we didn't take any Advil for the whole beginning of quarantine, like just in case. And then we kind of just like forgot that was even a thing and loosened up on it. Is, Is that a thing? So two separate things. Yes, that in the beginning, there was this concern from NSAIDs, some studies out of Europe and France. What I tend to tell people, because it really wasn't clear that there was a connection. So I said, first, go if you need something, go for acetaminophen first. So that's like a if Tylenol, you need a second, right? or like That's okay. a Tylenol, exactly. If you still need something, then go for an NSAID. That's your Advil, your ibuprofen, your Motrin, your Leave. That's fine then, but maybe it's not the first thing you reach for. A separate issue is the aspirin. The aspirin is actually because we found that people with COVID actually get blood clots, blood clots in their lungs, blood clots in other a number of places. And aspirin is something, again, I, I recommend it in some of my older patients or somebody who's more sedentary. It's going to decrease your platelets likelihood of clotting. That's why the aspirin's there. And when I was shopping for it, my friend, I love you, Lorna Dragon, who went um, to Walgreens for me at 8 p.m., it wasn't it wasn't called baby aspirin. It was called low-dose aspirin. So when you're shopping for it, that's just also like a key life lesson that it might not say baby aspirin. It might say low-dose aspirin, and that's the same thing. It's the same milligrams of acetaminophen. 80, 81 milligrams of aspirin. All these things you learn. 
Yes. And so while we're on the topic of things to take or to stay clear of, there was a lot of um, miscommunication or like misinformation about it's elderberry. Sambuca and elderberry. Yeah, oh, elderberry yeah. and Sambuca. No, it's the same thing, Megs. Thanks, she elderberry. took me off of elderberry right away. So why is that? Yeah. So people are, take yes. it for immunity. Exactly. And it's in Zarbies. <laughs> Children's Zarbies has it. Yes. So elderberry, why do people take it? Because it increases your immune system, which is great in most situations. The only thing is, remember, COVID does really weird things to your immune system and that it actually causes some people to have a very hyperactive immune system response. That's that multi-system inflammatory system that, uh, syndrome that people are having, which is why there's a concern elderberry, if it enhances your immune system and COVID may also enhance your immune system, you may get a double effect. It's not beneficial. And since there wasn't other evidence of saying that, saying that elderberry is specifically effective against COVID, I tell people not to take elderberry with COVID just because it's unclear. There might be risks and we don't know of any benefit. Now, Dr. Daria, if we were on a strict elderberry regimen prior to having COVID, were there any, nem- did we get it worse because we were elderberry fueled? I don't think there's any data to answer that question. No, but I, I think elderberry boosts your immune system. It's just if you were to get COVID and you could have the double, that could also make your immune system try to pump into overdrive. It might be too yeah. much, right, is what you're saying. Right. I wouldn't worry about it and second guess it, but I wouldn't take elderberry for the purpose of helping you with Got COVID. So what about if you have kids with the sniffles and your pediatrician only recommends Zarbies, then what? Because Zarbies is honey and elderberry. That's all it is. So, you know, talk to your, if your pediatrician knows your kids, I won't second guess them there. This is only the situation where somebody's like, I have COVID and should I take elderberry for the purpose of it? But I would advise gotcha. Now, something it. else I wanted to talk about, Dr. Daria, because this was so confounding during our process. The testing is bizarre and all over the place. Yeah. My kids tested negative, then positive, mm-hmm. negative with rapid tests, negative with, a, with the, um, the, what, the PCR mm-hmm. test, but then positive. I mean, but... My daughter tested negative when she had no sense of smell or taste and was vomiting. And of course, lucky me can call Dr. Dari and be like, WTF? And you're like, the testing is flawed. In certain cases, she clearly has COVID treated as such. Mm-hmm. But so, why is this? Why is testing so flawed? Testing is so flawed because it's just still very much in the early stages of COVID and figuring out this test. Remember, like barely over a year ago, we had not ever heard of this virus. There were no tests for it. So so one of the things that we have seen with young children, especially those who don't have a really high viral load, is that you know, when they look at studies and y'all may know, I worked with a couple of schools and we tested kids every single week. And I remember talking to the head of the, one of the labs where they find people who are positive and they test them every day just to see what happens. And he said, when you have people who are kind of just at the threshold, they will bounce up and down positive, negative, positive, negative on the tests for a week or two, which is why he said, don't bother repeating the test. If they've had the positive test, Assume that it's a true positive and that these tests are only kind of semi-quantitative. They're not as black and white as we may think. So all of those reasons why the tests are just not perfect. And then once you've had it, so for instance, like, do I test again or will I test positive now that I've had it? Like, what does the, the, the interesting quarantine protocol and when you're allowed for you're fit for real life consumption again, can you walk us through that? Like, is this so interesting? I mean, I, I've been, I guess, eight, I'm like 18 days out and I definitely 
like it's walked through Target feeling. 18 days of first symptoms or 18 days of being done with that, symptoms? I mean, it's so what Dr. Dyer told me, and she's smarter than me, so I'll let the Harvard <laughs> doctor say it, but she's at 10 days from testing, 14, like 10 to 14 days from testing positive, right? Yeah. So if you were symptomatic, it can be 10 days from when your symptoms started. If you were asymptomatic, they say 10 days from when you were tested. And that's when you can go back to life. And to answer your other question, Megan, you do not need to get retested to be able to go back. Some caveat, some workplaces and certain places may have their own rules. So you have to follow that to get back to those. Um, But medically, you know, just be able to go back. And normally you don't have to get tested. The schools where I but I'm advising it. We're not retesting kids to be able to go back for those reasons that we talked about that retesting is confusing. And so that's my kids people, didn't have to retest to go back to no. school. Once you test positive and do your, your 14, yeah. I think it was 14 days we did with the kids. Then they're allowed to go back to school. They don't even have to retest. It's you harder if you've just been exposed and don't get it, then you have to retest. Yes. Then you have to retest or you have to quarantine for longer. So again, if you were diagnosed then it's 10 days, um, that is the caveat is if you were sick enough to be hospitalized, then usually they say it's you know 14 to 21 days that you need to isolate longer just because those people are uh, are are contagious for longer. They have a higher um, viral load. Is that why they do? They have a higher viral load. It's often because they're a little more immunocompromised. Their bodies just aren't able to fight it off as quickly. So for a number of reasons, they have to stay isolated longer. Um, but you don't have to retest because also there are some people who have it. They're better after their 10 days. They can go back, but they continue to test positive for four to six weeks or more. We don't exactly know why. Um, and it seems that they just have viral particles. They're not actually contagious. So that's the other reason why I say don't bother retesting. Just do your time. Do your isolation so, so time. Dr. And then Daria, you can if I have to go on live with Kelly and Ryan and I test positive, can I have them call you to explain that I'm not <laughs> contagious? <laughs> yeah, you just give them my number. But will people with the inoculation test positive? Like people um, in inoculated, will they test positive for that reason? You would test positive for a specific type of antibody. Uh, but so not for the, the spike protein. Exactly. You would test positive for the spike protein, okay. but not an, an, like a PCR. Can I ask a quick question about the new variants? Because I think yeah. that's hot, the hot topic on everybody's brain. Yes. And I'm curious if you have any information on that that you would like to share. Before you ask that, can I back to what they were just talking about? Quick, quick question. Um, when you said when Megan was able to go back into the world and I've heard Dr. Fauci and a few other people, and probably you've heard this too, where what's contagious, what's in our bodies that are still contagious, where even if you get vaccinated, that's why we still need the masks. If Megan has had it, um, is she still contagious? Is there anything still in her system that even though she's had it and she's clear to go out, that's why she has to have a mask on, or is that just to just in case protect it? Could she still be a carrier? There's a lot of un, um, muddy waters there, I feel like. It's 10 days since your symptoms or tested, plus you have to be fever-free for 24 hours without needing any fever-reducing medication, and your symptoms need to be improving. So just, just so we're clear, you have to have all and those PS, things. And that's we you- never had, I mean, I never had a fever. Yeah, My many son James don't. never had a fever. Like, yeah. so the fever thing too is just not even a clear indication. Right. But you just have to meet all of those criteria. And that's if you're not hospitalized. Now to your second question, Christine, when people have to wear masks afterwards, that is because, not because we still think Megan is contagious. The feeling is that, that she's no longer contagious, uh, but that you could, uh, you could at some point get exposed again and now become sick again or spread COVID again. That's why even if you've been vaccinated or you've had 
had COVID yourself, you still have to wear a mask afterwards. Wait, Megan, Does that Megan asked sense? a really good question about uh, on her Instagram stories about do you throw away your toothbrush after you've been sick in general? So should people always be doing that? And especially with COVID, but like it begs a question on all things. Like are things contaminated in your home? Do you need to replace items or is that not a thing? I usually tell people to go ahead and replace your toothbrush anyway, especially after a bacterial infection, because you can, after a strep throat or something like that. And how often do we actually throw away our toothbrushes? It's not a bad idea to go ahead and replace it. I mean, I washed all the sheets, all the blankets in the house. I've been cleaning pretty regularly with with bleach. But is there anything on top of that that I should be doing? I wouldn't worry about it. The most likely, the chances that your body would be reinfected with the exact same strain would be very unlikely. Gotcha. It's much more likely there's some maybe some variant that you could get infected from. Now, if I French kissed else. Christine right now, would she get COVID? If I'm 16 days out, if I just like went and made out with her, would I give her COVID? You can totally make out with her. Don't get I don't excited, think you're going to give her COVID. I, I, I just want to Christine, know. Christine's all sorts of blushing right yeah, now. Right. She's like, that's why I used her as an example and not Jamie because okay, Jamie would not. I, I talked about vibrators on, on our episode. I know. <laughs> I love it. it was so so hot. Hot. What are you going to do? So, Dr. Daria, I, I know that the new variant is kind of the topic on everybody's brains right now. So, I don't know. Do you have any information that you'd like to kind of share with people on what that's all about? Because I know it's very scary. I think, unfortunately, we still have more questions than answers. There's the variant from UK. There's a variant from South Africa. There's this variant in Brazil. Um, I don't, uh, from what we see, this, I don't want people to be terrified by this. I know you said this is very scary. I think what this means to me is not that we should be scared. I just kind of see it more as a, this may delay us getting back to normal sooner. So I think that it's a little bit of a reframing that I, I would like people I to have. I love to reframe things, Dr. Daria. I know you do. I'm um, the, I'm the, is it somehow um, milder, though? Because I am hearing, like, back in April and May, if someone got it, you cut and then you heard about it, you definitely felt like they were hospitalized and things were awful. Is this, I mean, ours was, our COVID was manageable. And I, I'm scared to say this out loud, but it was not as bad when I was hospitalized. I had pneumonia slash flu and I was hospitalized on oxygen for a day. That was worse than this, although this was horrible. I think it's just what's getting in, uh, played out in the news. I see patients all the time in the emergency department that were able to discharge home, that they come in scared, come in not knowing what to do. We send them home with a diagnosis and, and some protocols and things to do, and they don't end up needing to be readmitted. So that that's what we're still seeing for the vast majority of people who are otherwise healthy. There are flu cases where people get severely ill, but for the most part, that's that's what we're seeing. And I think that's the thing, right? Because that's where the stigma is coming from. It's so scary because it's so sensationalized as it should be. It's a sensational event. It is a horrific, horrible event in our history and it's very dangerous and scary. However, I think, you know, in the beginning, we were like, if you get COVID, you will die. No, not necessarily. And for a lot of people, they're, they're, they're troopering through and they come out on the other side. I think it's quite remarkable when you think of somebody like yourself who works in an emergency room. I mean, people who are on the front lines every day and don't contract it. I think that there's a little bit of a, you know, a misconception because we are so afraid that if you are in the same room as somebody, you are, that's it. You're, you're done. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, that's not the case, right? Right. It's, you know what, it's kind of like a car accident. Um, Could you most, does everybody who's in a car accident die from it? No. 
the majority of people who are in car accidents are able to walk away. That's a Does good that mean analogy. That we want to get in a car accident? No, we do everything we can to avoid it because there are cases that are, are much worse. So that's kind of how I think about it. So yes, we get in the car. And we can't be scared every time we get in the car. We just do the smart things and protect ourselves. Well, I can't think of a better place to end than that. And we don't need to do any of our hokey but fabulous endings that we usually do. We do a little lightning round and this and that. But I really want to say that. We've actually, done it with you. Actually, and we've done it with you before, too. But this was such an important topical episode. And I just want to keep it really, you know, like that. Because that's what it needed to be today. But I do think that maybe, Heidi, you should ask for yeah. a karma call. Because I was going to say, Meg's. Let's do our last thing. Um, I need to express my gratitude to Dr. Daria because she was my COVID angel. And I would love a karma call. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Dr. Daria, in case you don't remember from the first time, karma is a Sanskrit word for action. Megan says it better than anyone else in the universe, but I am the yogi, so I will explain that karma is a Sanskrit word for action. What is your actionable item for everyone listening to do every day so they have a little less chance of getting COVID or a little less chance of COVID being horrible? Oh, oh my goodness. So many, so many good things. I would say one of the things that is helping me right now is reframing your morning. The minute you get out of bed, how easy is it for us to think about, oh, there's COVID, I'm worried, I'm stressed out. Take a second and choose what am I grateful for today? How do I want to feel today? And what action do I need to do to feel that way? And reframe your morning. I just love this woman. Everyone, please follow and take all of her advice. We love you, Dr. <laughs> thank Daria. You. Thank you. We, we love and thank you. you for helping our thank Megan. You. We really, uh, we really oh mean gosh. it. We cannot thank you enough. And thank you, everybody Anytime. at home for listening in today. We hope this was helpful to you and or your loved ones. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Off The Gram Podcast and also subscribe everywhere that podcasts are consumed so you never miss an episode. We'll see you next time. 